Let us pray. Our precious Father, we want to thank you for the privilege we have tonight to gather to study your word. We trust you that you will teach us by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, we are continuing where we stopped. That is in our study of the book of Ephesians. So, today we're going to study the last verses of Ephesians that we heard. That's Ephesians 4, verse 17 to 24. Then we go to chapter 5, verses 1 to 21. So last week we stopped at chapter 4, verse 17. So let's do some reminders so we can flow as we continue. So we talked about the purpose of the offices that God has appointed in the church. That the office of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher, the pastor. The five offices, we said that their purpose was to teach the body of Christ, to bring them into the knowledge of Christ, Jesus, the living word, to, to build them into maturity so that their life reflects the life of Jesus, and so that they too can do the work of the ministry. So Paul threw some more light on our own life as we read in chapter, chapter 4, verse 17. He was trying to show us that we're not who we used to be when we came to Christ. So in Ephesians 4, 17, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. 18, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to walk all uncleanness with greediness. He said, the, the life we used to have before, which those who don't know Christ have today, is because they don't have the life of God. They are walking in ignorance of God. They are spiritually blind. And so they are doing things that are just not good, but they think it's good because they are walking in ignorance and blindness. They are groping through life. And the Bible says here that that have no profit at all. And it says we should no longer behave that way because we are no longer like that. And they walk in lewdness. You can see the society in which we live. All matter of sexual perversion is means things 50 years ago, this very society called abomination, is being celebrated. Futility of the mind. They think it's awesome. Because they are blind. They are not seeing realities at all. And Paul is saying, don't live like that. You shouldn't follow them. And so, Paul called it unfruitful works of darkness. Works done in total ignorance of the knowledge of God. Futile lifestyle. Waste, wasted effort. Because of ignorance. In, in Romans 1.22, Paul says, professing themselves to be wise... They become fools. They think they are smart. 
Somebody goes to buy a rag and calls it fashion. Where we came from, if you wear that, people will call you aside. But now it's fashion. You wear complete rag in the village, we use it to mop the floor. It's now fashion. You think people who do that are wise? The scripture say, professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. Somebody is naked on the street. He thinks it's awesome. He thinks it's wonderful. Man, I have people who want to copy him. Uh-huh. Our new life in Christ is, character- is characterized by knowledge, not ignorance. Knowledge of the truth that is in Christ Jesus. We now have Christ in us. I've received the life of God. Sound mind. Life of love, life of power, ability to discern what is good. So in verse 20, he said, but you have not so learned Christ. That's not what we learned in Jesus. Remember, we are saying that these offices in the church are supposed to teach Christians about Jesus. So the process of transformation from the old life to the new life is coming to Christ and receiving that new life to start with, but for it to now walk outside you need to be taught. You need to learn. That's why God put those offices in the church. You need to learn. Let me repeat it. The New Testament prophet is not here to tell you who to marry and what to do. That's wrong. That's wrong. The Old Testament prophets and apostles laid the foundation. The, the, the prophet wrote about the coming of Christ. The Bible said we are built on the foundation of the prophets and apostles. They wrote about it. That's the foundational truth. Then the New Testament prophet comes to give revelation on what the Old Testament prophet wrote so that the church will understand it. You don't have to go to any prophet to tell you about tomorrow. That's wrong doctrine. Because every sheep of God hears his voice. You have the Holy Spirit to lead you. That's not his primary call. But today you see a lot of people trooping up. And it has cost, it has wrecked so many lives. So many. You people were in America here when all these prophets were prophesying about result of election. So God left it building lives and all is talking his politics. Where did he see Jesus talk about politics? Where did he see Jesus? Those things cannot give life. They have no eternal value. We don't have to tell you. They have no eternal value. There's another government we represent. There's another kingdom we represent. That's the kingdom business we are here after. Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, that's the key thing. Taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. You can't drive, you are taught to drive, you are taught to fly an aircraft, you are taught. You, you are a doctor, you are taught. You are an engineer, you are taught. If you're a Christian, you are taught also. He said, the truth is in Jesus that you put off now 
concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful loss, deceitful desires, deceitful wants, deceitful fashions, deceitful, those things that attract people is deceitful. It grows lost. It's, you can't satisfy lost. So the, the, any fashion that comes now, they pay for it. Any canvas that comes now, canvas, canvas. They pay thousands to wear canvas. Lostful. You're never satisfied with it. Because the only thing that can satisfy in this world is Christ. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put up, put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. The new man created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Ephesians 3, 4.23, New Living Translation puts it this way. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Get thoughts. My people are destroyed for lack of uh, knowledge. God said, I give you pastors after my heart who will give you knowledge. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. If a Christian doesn't even know he has a new nature, what is he putting on? Doesn't even know he has a new nature. Doesn't even understand what Jesus did and gave him. My question is, what is he putting on? Is he not going to be living by the laws of Moses, by his effort, trying to be good, trying to be holy? If you can make it, why did God give you a new nature? So this, this transformation into this new life requires learning about Christ Jesus and being taught who we are in him. I said it the other Thursday, you will never spiritually grow unless you understand salvation. You're not going to grow. You must understand what Christ did for you on that cross. You must. And live by it. You must understand who you are in Christ, the new creature you are. You must understand who Jesus is to you. You must understand who you are to him. You must understand your privileges in the kingdom as a son of God, a member of his family. You must understand your access to God. You must understand all your privileges. And you, the Spirit of God came to reveal Jesus to us. So that in knowing him, those who know their God, they are strong. There's no other foundation of faith that God has laid. There's no other foundation except one, who is Christ, upon which you lay your foundation. The author and finisher of our faith is Christ. And in verse 20 of what we read, he said, you have not so learned Christ. Paul repeated, like we said, this idea of learning which God put all these people in the church in their different capacities to teach you to bring a revelation of Christ. All of them. In 2 Timothy 3, 14, 17, you see Paul talking about the need for the Christian to learn. But you must continue in the things which you have learned. Must. 
and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures from childhood, which are able to make you wise for salvation. You understand your salvation through faith, which is in Christ. Which is in Christ. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for number one, doctrine. I keep saying it. You can't teach doctrine outside of Bible. Anybody who shows up to teach you from his dream, his vision, is on scripture. We don't know who gave the dream, but we know the Bible. We know who wrote it. Doctrine is based on scriptures. If it's not Bible, don't believe it. Don't listen to it. I don't care who is preaching it. The Bible must underwrite, must approve your, what you believe. If I preach it and it's not Bible, don't take it. That's how we start worshiping men. Who said this? Bishop Susus, is he God? The Bible said, don't lift up men above that which is written. The day you lift a human being above God's word, you made him your God. Don't we understand? You must judge all things. Open your Bible and check if the Bible says so. It says, it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be completely, thoroughly equipped. It says that they are there to equip you. It's telling you how they equip you. They use the scripture to equip you. Thoroughly equipped for good work. And so in verse 25, Paul continues to say that we should put away these old things that we used to do. In verse 25, says, stop telling lies. Stop telling lies. He said, I can't stop your kind because you have a new nature. You have a new spirit that does not lie. You have the spirit of truth in you. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. You can't deceive somebody who is part of you. 26. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Whether it's in the church, you, you, you steal food. <laughs> in this America, why should anybody steal food? Why? There are many Christians, they don't want to pay for anything. Anywhere they go, they want to cheat. They want to game the system. They think it's wisdom. How do you think that is wisdom? When what you are doing is what will bring you loss. Because more blessed to give than to receive, but because you are ignorant, you think it's more blessed to be stealing. Then some of them, they go um, um, and take cloth, take this promise to pay. Since three years, they've not paid. And they're working and they're taking salary. And they think it's wisdom. The Bible says, thinking that they are wise, they become foolish. 
People sit in pews who do, who do things like this. Shamelessly. You know, I said lasciviousness is doing something shamelessly. The Bible said they have become, they have no more feeling. They don't think, they don't have any feeling. They do, and they still go and be taking more cloth from people. And they know they are not planning to pay anybody. Lasciviousness is, you have gone out of, you, you do things in a way where you sin, and you still have some shame. But with lasciviousness, you don't have shame anymore. You do it, you do it publicly. You do it, don't care. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. This is God's wisdom. Verse 29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Oh my God, you can say that again. Once we get angry, what comes out of our mouth is unprintable. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. <laughs> Verse 30 to 32 says, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. King James says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, get rid of rage, Get rid of anger, get rid of harsh words, get rid of slander, gossiping now, as well as all types of evil behavior. 32, instead be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So he said, the Holy Spirit can be grieved because he has identified you as his own. Is that you belong to him. And we sing it, I am glad I belong to Jesus. Do we know the implication of that? We sing a lot of things we don't understand and we don't even believe. Walk and wash away my sin, nothing better brought up. If you see what we're singing it, oh, precious, tomorrow we don't believe it. We don't. You tell somebody, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. They say, Pastor, no. He has to confess all his sins. He has to do. Is that what we wash away sin? You were singing it before. What can wash away my sin? Nothing. But you now add things that have, can wash away his sin. You add it. Because you think, if he doesn't do it, God will forgive him. Which verse of the Bible? It's not there. It's not there. Or as they say, Peter said, repent and then believe. And Peter was talking to the Jews who rejected Jesus. He said, he came to his own, his own rejected him. He said, you people rejected him. That is the prince of peace. And there's no salvation in any other except him. So you've got to repent and turn around and accept him. So he's grieved because now he identified us as his own. So we can't afford to be living in a way that brings shame to the kingdom where we belong. If you have a relation on a friend or a child who is a thief, how, how, how grieved will you be?
And by walking in spiritual darkness, spiritual blindness, grouping through life, as if we are blind, why do you think the Spirit of God will not be grieved? This is his child. The Spirit of grace. The Bible says that Jesus suffered death by the grace of God. 1 John 2, 9. He that said he is in the light and hated his brother is in darkness even now. How would, you, how would, how would the Holy Spirit not grieve? When his child has left the realm of light and is gone into the realm of darkness, how will he not grieve? Verse 10. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is no occasion of stumbling in him. But when you're in the light, you'll be stumbling. So why, how should the Holy Spirit not be grieved? Who loved us with an everlasting love? He said in verse 11, But he that hated his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Tell me how you walk through this life blinded. Why shouldn't the Holy Spirit be grieved? Who loves us so much? And not only that, it affects your fellowship with him. He grieves because he loves us. While we're here sinners, he came here looking for us through Christ Jesus. Now we we are doing things that he's in the light and we walk into the darkness. It affects our fellowship with him. Why shouldn't he be grieved? First John 1 says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. If, uh, if, uh, EnduringWorld.com says that Aristotle defined bitterness as the resentful spirit that refuses reconciliation. A resentful spirit that refuses reconciliation. And this is contrary to the, the message of the gospel that is, is based on reconciliation. Now, so if, if I refuse to forgive you and I reject reconciliation, and Christ said, I've given you the message of reconciliation because my blood has paid for your sins, Go and tell the world to come. Because God has made Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for them. They should come. Their sins have been atoned for. It's message of reconciliation. But now, I'm that I am preaching it, but I don't want to be reconciled with somebody else. What kind of hypocrisy is that? Such Behavior presents Christ in a very bad light and works against the gospel of grace, whose message is reconciliation between God and men through the blood of Jesus. It definitely presents such a believer as living a lie since he preaches reconciliation with God, but he acts resentment towards a man or a woman or a family. It contradicts what he preaches and he becomes unbelievable. Look at Romans 2.23. You are so proud of knowing the law. Yeah, we know the Bible quotes it. But you dishonor God by breaking it. The result is this. 24. No wonder the scriptures say the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you. You know there are things that Christians do 
the hidden world blasphemes the name of God because of it. So why shouldn't the Spirit of God be grieved? When we go to our jobs and we put up this, this un ungodly behaviors of anger and rebellion and whatnot, they blaspheme God. They blaspheme Christianity. Titus 2.5 To live wisely and be pure. To walk in their homes. To be good. He's talking to widows. And then everybody. And to be submissive to their husbands. Oh, he's talking to young, young wives. To be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. You see what I'm saying? They will not bring shame on the word of God. Because it brings shame on the word of God. He brings shame on the word of God. First Timothy 5.14 Therefore I desire that the younger women marry, bear children, manage the house, give no opportunity to the adversary to talk. You don't give the devil opportunity to discredit the gospel. It's so, it's so, it's so, Paul was so concerned about this that it was a topic of his prayer. And then let me ask us as Christians, do we does it even occur in our mind that what we do can bring shame to God? What I say, does it even occur? It was so such thing in the consciousness of Paul that he was praying about it. And he wrote, many of the things he wrote, he said, so the name of God is not blasphemed. So that the gospel is not blasphemed. He said, I do everything for the sake of the gospel. For the sake of the gospel. Now look at his prayer in 2 Thessalonians 1 from verse 11. We also pray always for you that our God should count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and work of faith with power that the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified in you instead of being blasphemed so that his name is glorified in you. That's the purpose. That's why I'm praying this prayer. And you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Love these prayers that the Holy Spirit recorded for us. If you read them, you will see the depth. You see, you, you can't pray any prayer like this, these prayers. You will not be able. You will see how deep these things are. It's not the same with all our bucket full of, you know, personal, <laughs> all this prayer we pray. It's not the same. Look at this. He said, we also pray always for you that God will count you worthy of this calling. Have you ever prayed something like this? Of this calling and fulfill the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. Have you ever prayed anything like this? That's the Holy Spirit that put down this prayer. That the name of our Lord Jesus might be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read some comments from EnduringWorld.com. David Gozik. These are the comments he made. He said, people will judge Christianity and who God is, the name of God, and what the Bible teaches and his doctrine based on how believers conduct themselves in their workplace. And I also added, and as believers and proponents, proponents advocates of God's word, people will judge that word based on my behavior and your behavior. 
If they find out hypocrites, they will not believe it. Then this commentary, okay, this, the same dot, um, enduring word, it says, memorize the Bible and not have it affect your life for eternity. You just have curiosity or interest in God's word without submission to it. It's a grave danger. He said, this describes those who misuse God's word. They, 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 as all, they, as all the proud, as all the proud, they don't see or admit their lack of knowledge. All proud people don't admit lack of knowledge. So what do they do? And like most proud people, they are able to convince others they are espousing God's word. But their life is saying something different. But they still insist they know the Bible. This is another comment. To not allow God's word to speak for itself. Listen to this. To not allow God's word to speak for itself. To put your own spin on it as, a modern polit- as modern politicians and public relations people do is the worst kind of pride. It shows someone has more confidence in his own wisdom and opinion than in the straightforward truth of the word of God. To put a spin on the word of God. So it suits your, your so-called theology. I want people to say, if you want to teach, teach, but make sure you teach the truth. Because if you teach a lie, you answer to Jesus for every soul you destroyed. You read your Bible, he said so. He said, well, better you were not born. Teach you, but make sure you are teaching the truth. Let me read this one. To not allow God's word to speak for itself, to put your own spin on it, is, as modern politicians and public relations people do, is the worst kind of pride. It shows someone has more confidence in their own wisdom and opinion than in the straightforward truth of God. The word of God has no private interpretation. You cannot give it your private interpretation. It is not human wisdom. It is God's wisdom. It's bigger than you. The scripture interprets scripture. At the mouth of two or three witnesses, shall every word be, every word be what? Be what? Established. You can't stand up and start yapping what you think. My opinion, your opinion is useless because we are human. This is divine wisdom. It's higher than all our wisdom. There is no human being who has ability to understand the word of God. Only the Holy Spirit can interpret it to your spirit. With our human wisdom, we cannot. It's impossible. Even the love of God passes human understanding. All of it. Number three, why is the Holy Spirit grieved? It gives a platform for the enemy of your soul to operate in your life and destroy your life. For instance, it says in verse 27, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. It does. It really does. And when you don't have control over your emotions, (laughs) Proverbs 25, 28 applies to you. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Which means enemies can crawl in any time. Can come in any time. So in chapter 5. It says, therefore, be imitators of God 
as their children. Be imitators of God as their children. So to be imitators of God means that God's behavior towards you becomes your measure of your behavior towards others. The way God behaves towards you becomes your yardstick to measure how you behave towards others. If I'm an imitator of God, it means that the way God treats me and treats you is the way I'm supposed to treat you. I cannot treat you based on the way you treat me because I'm not to be your imitator. I'm to be only the imitator of God. There is no justification for a Christian to treat somebody the way they treat them because the Bible didn't say be imitators of people. You don't imitate, you imitate God. So the way God treats somebody, treats you, is your measuring, measuring ruler to know if what I'm doing to Paul or to Obi has measured to what God wants me to do. So God's life becomes our standard. There's no, let me say it again. There's no justification for duplicating evil to start with. There is no justification in the Bible for duplicating evil. Evil is evil. The gossip about me, I, can't, I don't have to gossip because it's evil. First Peter 2, 21. For to this you were called. This is our calling, people. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, yardstick, that you should follow his steps. Yardstick. 22. Who committed no sin, he did nothing. Nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who, when he was revived, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten anybody, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. This is yardstick. Imitators of God. This is the way we respond. You don't say, hey, but I didn't do anything. He didn't do anything either. And he said, but look at the other talking about me. Well, they talked about him too. But he said, if you want to imitate me, this is my yardstick. I didn't revile back. I didn't talk back. I left God to judge of it. And he still loved them. And loved us. Let's look at other examples. Luke 22, verse 25. Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men lord it over their people. Yet they are called friends of the people. You know, this way people have authority and this, they lord it over people. You know, and then, you know, a man of God is coming who has, he has four people carrying his phone. You carry man of God. 25 people are carrying phone here. Okay, you know, man of God, man of God. In this world, the kings and great men lord it over their people. Yet, they are conference of the people. But among you, it will be different. It will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank. And the leader should be like a servant. That's why we have the word ministries in this church. A ministry is where you serve. a servanthood spirit. That's why we use the word ministry instead of department. Ministry this is ministry is that we're here to serve you, to minister to you. That's what it means. Those who are greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the, least, the leader should be like a servant, is a minister, in a ministry. Who is more important, 
in who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? They said, the one who sits at the table, of course. That's what Jesus answered. But not here in my kingdom. It's different here. It's different right here. Then he says, imitate me. For I'm among you as one who serves. If you, you, want, you want to be my imitator, I'm not loading it over you. I'm washing your feet. Here are serving. His, his, the way he treats us is the, is the yardstick. Is the yardstick. John 13, 12. So when he had washed their feet, taking his garment, sat down again. He said to them, do you know what I've done to you? 13. You call me teacher and Lord. And you say, well, for so I am. If I deign your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. If I've washed your feet, you should also now wash one another's feet. Because I'm showing you the yastic. Be ye imitators of God. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Be imitators of God. You can't say, oh, I've been in this church 15 years and they don't even recognize me. You're not following Jesus. Anything you can do, do. His, his greatness does not come with big, big titles. His greatness comes with those who are lowest, those who wash feet. He said, my kingdom is different. It's not like in the world. I don't recognize greatness with. You know, one time the Lord said something to me. He said, I'm not looking for a great pastor. I'm not looking for a great talent. I am God. I can use a stone. I'm only looking for a faithful man. That's all. I'll make him do anything. I can work with anybody. If somebody that no, doesn't do anything, I can make him anything. I can use him to do anything. All I want is a faithful man. But where do you find him? And then he says something amazing. Verse 16, most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. So if you start acting like you're greater than me, I'm no more your master. A servant is not greater than his master. Now you see who is sent greater than he who sent him. You can't be greater than me. If I do this, that's what you do. 17, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. If you know these things and you do them, you are blessed. Abraham blesses our mind. My friend, do these things. If you know these things, I do them. You enjoy my blessing. Then in verse 2, we read, we read, it says, uh, we don't that with that verse 1. Yeah. As you know, we're going to come up talk about as their children. Why he said as their children. We're going to talk about it much, much later. Let me talk about verse 2. And we walk in love, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us, giving himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Now, this is a continuation of what he wrote in Ephesians 4.32. He said, instead, be kind to each other. 
tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Again, saying your yardstick is Christ. What he did to you, how he treated you, is how you treat others. Let me read it again. Ephesians 4.32. Instead, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Then in verse 2, where chapter 5, he says, and walk in love as Christ also has loved and given himself to us, for us. He's always pointing us to this. The standard is Christ. The standard is Christ. And John 13, 34, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Imitate us of God. As I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. So how did they love us? Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were still sinners. While we were still sinners. He didn't wait for you to do restitution and all those things. Why would we are still sinners? That's why he paid for our sins. Why would we are still sinners? Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We're justified by his blood alone not by what we do. It is the blood that paid atone for our sins. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Justified by his blood alone. People, don't teach people error. There's no salvation in any other except Christ. Don't teach people error. There's, not you, there's nothing you do that brings you salvation. We are justified. We are justified by his blood, period. When you come here, they start growing in the Lord. They start teaching you, you know, how to do this and how to do this. You know, you can return this one to this. He'll guide you in all of that. He'll guide you because you don't know everything in one day. You don't know everything in one day. But you are justified freely by the blood. Verse 9, much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. Verse 20, for if when we were enemies, John, when we were enemies, when we were enemies, some people bring people and they want them to clean up before they come to God. When we were enemies, God did all this. When we were, he came for the lost. I want them to clean up, you know, how everything, confess it so that you become clean a little bit. And then when you, are, when you become clean a little bit, then we go to Jesus and say to Jesus, you cannot save him. Because they don't understand what salvation means. They think it's joining church. <laughs> they think it's, I don't know what they think it is. I have no idea what they think it is. 
they think is, you know, now that you have made yourself good, now God will accept. I have no idea what these people think salvation means. If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. When we were reconciled, when we were enemies, God made provision for that reconciliation with the blood of Jesus. Jesus said, this is the blood that is shed for the remission of your sins. Once it's shed, remission is done. If you don't accept it, you go to hell. If you accept it, it works for you. Period. If you don't accept it, hell is your destination. But if you accept it, you are justified. Period. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Is it not Bible? Much more, having been reconciled, we, we say by his life, now he's alive in us now. <laughs> he's alive in us now. We're going to walk free, continuously free. Now, let's see somebody who walked as Christ walked. Acts 7, 59. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, 60. And he knelt down. He even had time to kneel down. And cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. When he had said this, he fell asleep. He did, the Bible didn't say he died. He fell asleep. How can somebody kneel down and be praying for people, stoning him to kill him? That's what Jesus did. The yardstick. People live this life. Practiced it. That's the yardstick. They were, they were doing this to him. Stabbing him. Mocking. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Stephen started, I said, don't put this thing on them. The same spirit of Christ walking. It's not another spirit. The same love, not another one. Walking in Stephen. Somebody just stepped on your toe in the church. Church is over for you. It's over for you. Somebody says something you don't like. It's over. You will steam fume somebody like me the brother don't do does, does he even know me say something about you talk about this oh, you one week <clears throat> you know why we do that ignorance carnal mindedness There's no glory in all of that. Jesus said, if you know these things and do them, blessed are you. Stephen, heaven stood up to receive him. Heaven, Jesus stood up. Heaven stood up to receive him. That was awesome honor. Awesome. Look at 1 John 4, 7. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves, anyone who loves, anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. It is the Bible. It is anyone who prays 24 hours, night every day. <laughs> this hinges on this life of Christ. That's what it hinges. Jesus said, if, you, if, you, if I can't see my life in you, you don't really have me. 
And Paul was praying for love. First Thessalonians 11, we pray that our God and Father and our Lord Jesus will prepare the way for us to come to you. 12, we pray that the Lord will make you love, your love grow. Do we pray this type of prayer? Do we? The Lord said to me, he said, all the prayers I wrote in the Bible, you can't pray anything more than that. You are not wiser than me. You can't articulate more than I did. We pray that the Lord will make you, your love grow. We pray that he will give you more and more love for each other and for all people. We pray that you will love everyone like, like we love you. Did you see how many times we love, 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 love is coming? This will strengthen your desire to do what is right when you are strong in love. And you will be holy. Is this the way we think, teach holiness? So when, when you are strong in love, that love will motivate you to do, to live the life of Christ. That's when you live in purity and holiness. Paul said, the love of God constrains me. That controls me is the love of God, not the laws of Moses. That's what he's praying here. That when your love is strong, then it will strengthen you to do things that your flesh won't want you to do, to forgive, to wash people's feet, because you love them. <laughs> it will strengthen you to do these things. So you are walking in the holy life of God. Verse 13, this will strengthen you, your desire to do what is right, and you will be holy and without fault before our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy people. Then it says that love life is an offering. He said, in, in what we read in verse 2, in verse 2, he said, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to, to God for sweet-smelling aroma. So when we live and imitate Christ and walk in love, we too are sending God an offering and a sweet aroma to him. The Bible says we become the aroma of Christ. And because God delights in mercy, God loves mercy. He said, I would rather have mercy than sacrifice. In Micah chapter 7 verse 18, where is another God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant, overlooking the sins of his special people? You will not stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love. Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet, throw them into the depths of ocean. He's talking about salvation that is coming. You will show us your faithfulness and unfailing love as you promised to our, our ancestors Abraham and Jacob long ago. Now, it says, we imitated God as their children. You know, children copy people easily. If you put them, anywhere you put them, they start learning the language quickly. Adults will take a lot of time to learn a language. Children learn it in six months because they copy easily and they're not ashamed to copy. They copy easily. They develop the same, you know, the same accent with their friends and things like that. They develop the same attitude in the environment where they stay. So a lot teaches that we must exercise faith like children and learn the things of the kingdom 
like them. He said, he said, he said, we should imitate God as their children. Children imitate easily. It don't take them anything to copy. It doesn't take them anything to. I remember one time we had visitors in Lagos, and it, I think it was Onyek. I was, it was uh, seven years or so, very young. So he said, he went to and he said, let me do do what Daddy does. <laughs> I was like, what is this boy going to do here? We are visitors. He started laying hands on them. Because he see me lay hands in the church. He was said they won't fall, I will push them down. So he was one by one. If children have no they have no restriction. Go to the other person. He said, Let me do what daddy does. He will put and then he will push them down. They know he was pushing, they will they were now they were all falling and laughing. He will go to the other. I he was serious. <laughs> he go to the other one. And then one time we were in service. We, we, you know, he sees these camera people. So one time we were in service, I saw people laughing. I looked at it, it was him with the newspaper. He was doing camera. <laughs> he was doing video. <laughs> camera too. Like, children are like that. They, co- they copy. They, they copy easily. He was so serious with paper. He was doing camera because he see camera people go camera. So he was like, <laughs> exactly what God said. I dare children copy me like children. Adults don't copy easily. Children do. With no restriction. Matthew 18, 3. And said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because we are going to resist copying him. We are going to do things our own way. We are going to we are not going to believe him. Because we, we are wise in our own eyes. And we know what we're doing. Have you ever argued with God? Verse 4. Whoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He says, copy me as children copy. As their children copy me. Don't, don't bring your adult wisdom here. Because my wisdom is bigger than your own. Just copy me. 1 Corinthians 1.19 For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Had not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. He pleased God by, by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Simple believe in the Lord Jesus you are saved. We don't believe it. Because it looks foolish. God says, yeah, that's what I did. You believe you get saved. Luke 10, 21. In, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent. He's not telling them anything because they do too much. I have revealed it unto babes. God says, you want to walk with me, be a babe. Follow me like a child. Just Copy me. Don't reason it. Copy me. What I'm doing is bigger than your wisdom. Just copy me. It's not the way you do things in the world. In the world, you lord it over them, but my kingdom is the opposite. Copy me. And you know, to bring us to the full stature of Christ is to bring us to the place where we really walk as Christ walks. That's what it is. In 1 John 2 says, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. 
That's what it is. TPT says, 1 John 2, 5 to 6, but the love of God will be perfected within the one who obeys God's word. We can be sure that we've truly come to live in intimacy with God, not just by saying it, not by saying, I'm intimate with God, but by walking in the footsteps of Jesus. That's how we prove that we're intimate with him, not by claiming it. Mitetos of God, very huge. Then let's go to verse 3, chapter 5, verse 3, to verse 4. It says, but fornication and all uncleanness, covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. I want you to watch this word, saints. For neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor quiet jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Now, <clears throat> Jesus, I mean, Paul is saying, I want you to notice something. He did not say we should not do this thing so that we become saints. And that's what the church is teaching. He didn't say don't do this thing so you become a Christian, you become saints. No, he said you don't do them because you are already saints. You already sent. When you came to Christ, you became a Christian. He gave you a new life. He said, don't do these things because you are different. You are now saints of God. You, you know, he didn't say, don't do them so that you become a Christian. No, he didn't say that. But that's what we teach. So we think that becoming a Christian is what you earn. Becoming a Christian, you don't earn it. It's freely given to you. Life is freely given to us in Christ Jesus. So let, let me read it again. He said, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. You are saints already. This is not unfitting. It, 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 it devalues who you are. It devalues who you are. Verse 4. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor quiet jesting, which are not fitting. We're rather giving of thanks. All this filthiness and foolish talking and quiet jesting are, are like immoral talks, you know, dirty words, jokes that are tend towards the immoral, filthiness, filthy words, filthy jokes. Verse 5. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. You're not part of it. Don't partake in it, because those who are doing these things are, they are not Christians. You are a Christian. You shouldn't be doing that. Don't partake in it. Those who are doing these things are not Christians. Any, anybody who lives willfully, continuously in this kind of thing, is not born again. He says, he says, therefore do not partake with them. That is them and you. They are not, they are not, they do not inherit the kingdom. They are not part of the kingdom. Jesus said, they said the man is born again, he shall not see the kingdom. That's what Paul is saying here. They are not going to see it because these people doing this, thing, it's their trademark. It's, it's their lifestyle. So don't, don't follow them. Don't copy them. 
be imitator of God, not them. Then he talks about you know, covetous people. He says covetousness is an idolater. How they, you know, covetousness, let me talk about us, to, to us about covetousness. Covetousness, look up, let me talk to us. You see, covetousness is a sign that you really are not a worshiper of God. Because he said the covetous man is an idolater, a greedy person. You know why? <clears throat> Contentment for a greedy person comes from the things of this world. That's where he gets his contentment. That's where he gets his value. So he goes after it. And because that's his value system, it becomes his treasure. And where a man's treasure is, what will be there? His heart will be there. His love will be there. So God is not his treasure. He comes to church to use God to produce what he get money, get this. He wants to use God to, to further his, his, his pursuit of the things where he thinks it, it, it's his value, where he finds his value and contentment. So he wants God, to, all he's praying about is those things that are carnal and natural. He has no need for eternal things. But the worshiper of God finds his contentment in eternal values. In Christ. Christ becomes his sufficiency. Praise the Lord. Christ becomes what? His sufficiency. So his entire value system derives from Christ Jesus. Christ is all and all for him. If you take away these other ones, it doesn't mean much to him. Paul said, my sufficiency, Christ is my sufficiency. I found my contentment in him. So he said, I've learned, therefore, that when I have the same thing, if I don't have the same thing, it doesn't bother me. He said, the secret of life is I do all things through Christ. My strength comes from Jesus, not from what I have, what I don't have. Christ is the source of my strength. He said, I've learned that secret that I can do all things through Christ, not from what I have. So if I don't have, I can still do all things. If I have, I, can, I don't look at what I have as my source of strength through which I do something. So Christ is my sufficiency. I have him. I can do all things. If I don't have money, I can, I'm not limited. I can do all things. If I have money, I don't look to money. I'm not, I can say do all things. My, Christ is my, I am complete in him. He's my sufficiency. He's my basis of contentment, my focus of value. So in his, all his prayer, you will see in all his prayer, he's praying for eternal things because that's where value system is. That's where his focus is. That you love more and more. That you know Christ more and more. That you know the power that works in you. He's praying those things that are eternal value. And Jesus said, don't follow me for bread and butter. Follow me for eternal things. You, you, you know, I listen to a lot of wonderful, wonderful, beautiful praise worship songs that we sing from our country. But so, so the thing that bothers me they're all talking about physical things. God is turning my life around. All we think about is more money, more job. <laughs> I would rather think that I think we should recognize the great salvation he gave us. 
and worship him. We can worship him eternally for our salvation. We can worship him eternally for the new life he gave us. That this man, the body, our body of sin has been crucified. So that sin has no more power over me. Are you kidding me? That's something of great value. The things that are freely given to me of Christ, the, their prizes is priceless. So Paul said, for this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor coveted man who is idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Coveted people. If you come anywhere there, if you bring cake to share, they will, cut, they will take half of it. Because they don't care about you. They worship the things of this world. Anywhere they are, they are trying to cheat. They will tell lies to cheat. Because they found value in the perishable things of life. They don't know God. Paul is saying people who do these things, who are willfully doing this, it's their lifestyle that you can identify them as covetous. They are not Christians. They, they can't have inheritance in the kingdom. Jesus said, by their fruits you shall know them. They don't. Look, I have this thing here. I don't know if the camera can see it. It is full of tissue paper. Kleenex. If I turn it and no Kleenex is coming out, it's empty. Even though it looks like a box. You turn a Christian says, and then there's no, no, no life of Christ. It worships. It looks like cleanest books. It worships like it talks your language. But when things come out of him, it's not Christ. It's nothing. Titus 1.16 Such people claim they know God, but they deny him by the way they live. They are detestable and disobedient. Worthless for doing anything good. Jude 4. Jude chapter 1 verse 4. I say this because some ungodly people have warmed their way into your churches saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago for they have denied our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 15 8. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor it me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Second Corinthians 11, 14. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their work. So even preachers, and who do miracles? Even preachers who do miracles transform into an angel of light. That's why I say you need to you need to judge all things. Look at look at Matthew seven. You know, once you hear miracle, people are fooled. Once they see miracle happen, they carry their bag. I'm going miracle. Matthew seven seventeen. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. 
A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. 19. Every tree that bringeth not good fruit, bringeth forth good that bringeth not forth good fruit, is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? There are so many prophets all over the place. And in thy name have cast out devils. Are we not doing deliverance services? And in thy name done many wonderful works. And they did. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you all this while. Why? Why? Depart from me, you that walk in iniquity. Oh, I don't know you. No. The devils were using you, not me. Not me. But the Holy Spirit told us, and no marvel. Why do you marvel at it? For Satan himself is transformed into the angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. <laughs> I remember one young, tell me, the credential for ministry is Acts 6 3. Therefore, select out from among yourself, brethren, seven men of good, attested character and repute. That's your number one credential. Full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Number one credential. Not Bible college. Oh, no, 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 it's not Bible college. This is it. You can't give what you don't have. First Thessalonians 1.5 For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and the much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. You know us. We are not hidden. You know our character. You know everything about us. And you became followers of us. <laughs> and of the Lord. Because we are imitating him, so you are following us. We are leading you to him. You are following us. We are following Having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you become example to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. Now, those who are covetous, the moment they are not getting this physical word, they go to another brand. Immediately. They can, to, they, they can go to Babalawo, they can go to... In, they, they are desperate for it. They join all manner of prayer group. They are looking for miracle. Because they have not found joy of the spirit that can be there during trials of life. During trials of life that do come to all of us. During times of severe temptation. Where you have been told that having done all to stand, stand therefore. Stop going around. For he that promised is faithful. Anybody that trusts in him will never be put to shame. We should be careful how we teach Christians. Because I think we are teaching this gospel as if to say trials won't come. 
Oh, they do come. The Bible says, don't count it strange when they come. It's not a time to be running around. It's a time for you to stand strong in the Lord. And that's the reason we should grow in the Lord. Grow your feet. Grow your feet. Grow your shield of faith. Grow your sword of the spirit. Be strong in the Lord and the, the power of his might. Be strong, be strong. But you won't study. Bible study, you don't, you don't know what they're teaching yet. You will learn and you are taught, but you are not taught. You are not there because you know too much. And you are not ready for it. So when it comes, you fall apart. And then you, you look for other brands, other brands. You start looking for brand prophets and prophets. Where is Jesus? The person that said to you, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Call out to me in the days of trouble, I'll answer you. Where is he? Has he left you? He has not. The problem, you don't know him. Let us pray. I want us to think about what we had. Take a time and think about it and pray. Now unto him that is able to do a sitting abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end, and we say, Amen.